Welcome to Rest and Awaken Podcast. Only able to access those things because she has money. Yeah. Accessibility therapy just makes me absolutely, the whole system makes me absolutely insane. Um, Join us with Dr. Colleen and Dr. Natalie. You were thinking about something I had written in a newsletter? Yes. Let's put more energy or thought into, are we creating anti-racist outcomes? Get ready for thought-provoking conversations about real-life experiences that will empower you to explore different perspectives and live life to the fullest, right here on Rest and Awaken Podcast. Good morning. Oh, yeah. Afternoon for me. <laughs> Afternoon. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Both. So true. Yeah, I oh. can't wait to tell you about this journey I've been on the last couple of days. Please, uh, let's start yeah, there. So, so, I, so I volunteer as a psychologist. Um, for the spiritual community to evaluate ministers quarterly. And um, because we meet quarterly and it's a spiritual community, it's supposed to be about spiritual deepening. Like it's not like more work. It's like, how do you be of service, but be transformed yourself? So uh, we take turns doing an odyssey. So one time in the years that you serve, you basically uh, share your life story in 90 minutes, like three half hour increments over a weekend and Ooh. it happened to be my turn um and uh because I'm in this this like intense three-week period I actually didn't put a lot of energy into it until the day before and then I was like oh what am I going to talk about like how do I sum up 47 and a half years in 90 minutes like mm. um and so it had me like going I like went through childhood pictures and it was like so interesting to like see myself as a kid. And I don't have a lot of childhood pictures because there was a flood that happened when I was in graduate school that like took a lot of my childhood pictures away from me. Oh, that's and, cool. uh Yeah. And, um, but uh, my mom died in October of 2017. And that was like a really pivotal time period for me. So I could feel like all the grief like come up for me again um so I thought we could chat about like what have been significant like moments in our life in our odyssey mm -hmm. kind of have really shaped us like absolutely so yeah and uh yeah do you want to do you want to start I need some I mean I can come some up time. Yeah. yeah um well I think about how much like, well, race is like such a thing that plays through. Um, but I, I, it had me thinking about like the women in my life who have helped shape me. Like I think about like my father's mother who uh, lived with us uh, my first year of my life. Um, and then she passed away. And then after that, I went because my parents were like in the part of their life where my dad was going to school to be a pharmacist and my mom was a new nurse. And they didn't have that extended family to, to help support them. So I actually went to go live overseas with my father's this older sister and her new family. I did that for a couple of years, actually. And I came back for preschool. So I think about, like, what does that do to a person to wow. spend, a, like, to basically, like, begin to build a, like, a in a new relationship with your biological parents, like in the four or five-year-old range where English and learning the English language at that time too. And I remember, like I have this felt memory of 
going to preschool and that was the first time that I was in a sea of white faces oh, uh, because prior yeah. to that I hadn't. Um, so I just think about like, what is it like for people who immigrate? Like my story is like weird because I was born in the US and then left for a couple of years and then came back. Um, and all of that is like pre, like not pre-verbal, but like in my mind, Almost. pre-verbal. Yeah. yeah. And so like, and thinking about like how that lives in my body, that when I, whenever I enter a new space that's predominantly white, there's a little bit of frozenness of that happens to me. Like, it's almost like I'm like orienting, like, is this safe? Can I be myself? Which is so interesting to be in this black body and like navigating a lot of predominantly white spaces. So I would say that. And then like often in high school feeling like I, I didn't quite fit because I was, you know, there were only two black people in my entire high school, not in my entire, not my entire high school. That might actually be true, but um, in my grade at least. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we weren't friends. Like we knew of each other. Um, mm-hmm. And so like that navigating adolescence in that way. And because my parents were both born and raised in Haiti, they like, had a totally different mindset of like what needed to happen. And so like the things that like people tend to struggle with in adolescence, they couldn't be my support around those kinds of things, like the social mm-hmm. stuff, because for them it was about you come to this country, you work hard, like yeah. uh, the, all the other stuff is kind of like suck it up, pull right. yourself up by the boots. These are all distractions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then like the college years where I met my spouse, Chris, and then, like, there were, like, lots of work-related stuff. But then I think when my mom died in 2017, it, like, said, wow, like, to be a Black woman in the United States and to we- and to hold so much the mental load of the family and the weathering effect, like, you might die younger than expected because just the stress of being a woman, but then also being a Black woman and what kind of changes can you make? What are you afraid to do that you can do now and not wait? Because I remember my mom kept saying, I'll wait till I retire. But then Oof. she died within two years of retirement. And so Oof. I don't want to live in that. So that's, that's like my broad strokes kind of stuff. So and my son turned 16 today. So oh like mothering, mothering. Yes. Yeah. 16. Yeah. Oh, there are so many rabbit holes to go. I'm going to try to really like not diverge too much and stay with the theme. I'm so curious though. And I'm also trying to not be a therapist because I'm so I'm like, oh my God, what was this like for you? What was that? I know, right? (laughs) Honestly, I was like, oh, I wonder about how this is connected. This is connected. So many questions, so much curiosity, but I'm going to stay, try to stay focused. Um, what I am curious about is what it was like for you as an individual, like to to think and marinate in all of this while you were preparing, because to think about all of the, the big impactful things in your life mm-hmm. is a big deal in and of itself. Yeah. And then to, to condense it into 90 minutes and share yeah. it with people. Yeah. So much. Yeah. And I think the part of me that likes to hide could really feel like this is really tender um, to share like with these 15, 16 other people via Zoom, like these like, um, like 
the joy and the heartbreak of my life. And, um, and to think about like, because they were three half hour increments and I played music, the beginning and end of like music that was significant to me either now mm -hmm. or in those time periods, um, which was like really beautiful to also like, like cap them with music or to begin and cap with music, but also like this idea of like, I've come a long way to be able to share these parts of myself because like, you know, even a decade ago, I wouldn't have even been able to do that. Probably even before my mom died, I wouldn't have been able to share like these. Well, I would have given a superficial mm. version of my life story because I wouldn't have felt, uh, I think, like secure enough inside of myself. Yeah. Or in or in, cause these people are not people I'm super close with. I see them like a couple times a year. I have no other relationships with them, but it just felt like this is my story to tell. And um, it was more for me than for them. Like, I'm sure we are closer because they know me in a different way. But yeah, I think, and it makes me think of some conversation you and I had like a couple months ago, maybe about, I just want authentic relationships these days. Um, I don't want the superficial, I actually get irritated when uh, I ask people like, how are you? And, uh, or like, or like, let's say I text someone because I haven't chatted with them in a while. And I'm like, oh, what's going on in your life? And like, they say, oh, it's good. And then I hear from somebody else, like, they got a new job. And I'm like, well, why didn't you just say that? Like, I'm just like, I don't have time for this. Like, if you don't want to go deeper, I know that there were years of my life. I didn't go deeper either. So totally. But there's a feeling of growing, growing past that and, and needing something different. Um, that's sounding really expansive and lovely and true to you. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. So, so it felt good for you to just kind of like show up and get to speak honestly about who you are and how you got to be who you are and all the people and experiences and whatever was. And there... to let myself be emotional about it because some of these things are raw because I don't touch them much. Mm -hmm. And because even though it's been six years since my mom died, there's a part of that grief that never goes away. And so like to touch it, especially as we approach like the anniversary of her death, it's just like, and the ways in which my nuclear family has never been the same mm. since she died. So like, there's a living reminder every day of like, uh, my nuclear family has ceased to exist in some ways because there, there are ways in which my mom kept the relationship together that now I have, I have an individual relationship with my sibling and with my dad, but there isn't the three of us mm -hmm. having a relationship together. Yeah. That's all hard. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I'm feeling a lot. Um, I'm, I'm also wondering if it, it's okay to ask, um, because I think I've had moments of I've always been pretty vulnerable for better and for worse, right? Like, and more reflexive rather than intentional, which is something. So that's, that's my journey with vulnerability um, is how do I make it more intentional? How am I vulnerable with people who are where it's okay and it's safe to be vulnerable with them rather than just like, this is who I am and I do it without thinking about it. And then that comes right, right in the ass and oh, that's a problem. But 
as I've navigated my own journey with vulnerability, I have shown up sometimes in spaces where I'm just like, this is me and this is who I am and it's authentic, but there's, and it's for me, I'm not doing this for you. And there have been moments of that where that feels just kind of matter of fact and like emotionally neutral. But then there's also been moments of that where it feels like I'm armoring myself in some way. Like it doesn't really matter what you think or how you perceive me or how you receive this. I'm doing it for me and whatever. I'm wondering for you if you were able to receive that, like that witnessing that can be so healing and transform like what yeah with the yeah. witnessing were you able to receive it yeah I really do yeah and I think that's been the family of origin trauma that I've had to work on as an adult right is that I didn't always feel seen and hence I tried to make myself not seen for a good chunk of my life and so um and I think that's just the family I grew up in, I, I don't think that my parents were really seen either, right. uh, whether they came from a big family and they were like the youngest child or whether they were, you know, my mom's mom died when she was like six. And then um, she didn't have a close relationship with her stepmom. It was actually quite abusive. And so and she was the oldest. So like, I think that there are ways in which they weren't supplied with the muscles or the like the even knowing like this is a part of parenting I, is to I, like, right? It's like, and I, I almost feel like that is parenting of the last like 20 years or so. Like, I don't feel like that was the parenting of my childhood, um, or at least not in the Haitian community. I didn't see a lot of families where that happened. And it's funny because talking to some of my cousins, like I thought like they were all receiving like this thing I wasn't, but like, hearing their own relationship issues nowadays like oh they too also didn't get that kind of emotional, emotional intelligence attunement. yeah like they didn't get that and so to think about like how can I receive that how can I give it to my kids mm -hmm. in a different way and I've that's something I've tried so hard as a mother is to like allow them to be seen but also to like cheer them on for the little things and when my youngest one appears to be going the way of me as a kid of like making her small and thinking like her little things don't matter like really encouraging her to take up space right and I think um yeah that's been the, the gift of adulthood I think and I think because Chris's family um the strength that they have is really seeing each other and attuning in that way, which I think has helped me earn some secure attachment, which has been um, a difficult journey and yet worth it. Totally. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Um, I had, we called it a witness um, when I was a kid and I did something similar. Um, I, I told about, I was 15, so a lot less to feel and think my way through. Mm. Um, but I talked about some of the pivotal moments in my life, um, at that point. And, um, and it was so, Oh God, that's funny that it can be that long ago. And I still, it felt so good to be seen. Right. And like more than seen it, um, to have people actually emotionally attune, right? Not not just bear witness, which was the only real acquirement, um, 
but to emotionally attune and to sit with me in my heartbreak and feel it with me um, and celebrate things with me. Uh, that was that was just such a powerful experience for me. And so um, I'm glad you got to feel that when you gave your odyssey. That's that's really cool. Yeah. That's really so cool. What, what's coming up for you as you think back to that long ago time and I how much of since then. I know, right? Um, yeah, I think what you were just talking about in terms of um, attunement, I learned this like media trick where if I hinge my glasses on my hair, there won't be reflection. Yes, there we go. Oh, that's a good <laughs> trick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you, Joe and Jess. Um, I think what you just said about just emotional attunement and like being being seen, um, like, and truly seen, because when you're truly seen, you know, just watch something and have no reaction, right? Like, mm -hmm. you're truly seeing someone and hearing someone, you're responding to them. Like, that's, right. that's the crux of emotional right. attunement, right? Um, and, and how much I have just craved that throughout my life, uh, because I think same in terms of family of origin stuff, there was, there's been a lot for me to work through over the last 20 plus years and in, um, in terms of understanding why that wasn't there. And so, so that brings up a lot and it's, it's validating, sad for you, you know, that you didn't get that and your family didn't get that. Um, and it's validating because I do think there's something about just like parenting pre 2000, maybe pre nineties. I don't know exactly mm -hmm. when there was a shift. Um, but I think there's something probably universal about just like the time and the level of consciousness in terms of parenting. Mm -hmm. And I also think there's something about intergenerational trauma when like you need to just get through the basics and put yeah. food on the table and of course, uh, that's not a thing that like my parents got to experience. They they didn't get emotional attunement because their parents were worried about basics. Um, and so you can't give what you don't receive, or at least not without a hell of a lot of work, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So so it just really resonated um with that piece. And and I think the freedom that's getting created in me where emotional attunement is important, especially to have like secure attachments in important relationships, right? Like just, there's no way around mm -hmm. that. Can't feel loved and comfortable mm -hmm. if you feel like you're never seen and heard. Yeah. And I am realizing that so much of what you and I talk about when we talk about like race and DEI is that like the, the oppressor lives within um, and we can get real caught up doing that but and it's easy to forget that like I too don't take myself seriously I too gaslight myself all the time um I accuse my husband in dark moments of like having to be on fire in order for him to pay attention to me but I too do that to myself where I have to be on fire in order to pay attention to me and so there's been what a journey that has been. 
Um, there's been such freedom in figuring out that like, yes, I can still have expectations of others in terms of how much they see and hear me and emotionally attune, but I can give that to me too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I should know that. I'm a trauma psychologist, right? I'm also mm-hmm. a woman in mid forties. Like I've done half of my life. I should know this, but I haven't known it. Um, I haven't known it. And so to know it now and to constantly reawaken to that reality that that's something I can give to myself has been so beautiful and empowering, you know? Mm. That was a little bit. I love that. Oh, I love that. (laughs) You know, that gift of self-love and self-affirmation, which I think is easier to do if you are witnessed, right? If you have that attunement, right? And, um, yeah, I think about, uh, I had this really beautiful moment with my son yesterday where, you know, turning 16 today and last the last academic year was a really hard year for us, as you know, and uh, he had a lot of anger towards me because of, I was the safe object in his life that he could, you know, direct all of that. And, um, and he was able to say yesterday, like, I was unfair to you last year. Um, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like what the parenting books write about. Like if you can hold space for that anger, right. And like be not shaming. Cause if I was angry with my parents as a kid, it would have been shame. It was, it would have been retaliation. It would have been like cold silence. That's right. Um, it wouldn't have been, um, you're a teenager, you know, working through stuff, but this is normal kind of stuff. Um. And I, it was just that beautiful like moment of, because uh, it was heartbreaking when he was so angry at me last year when he was saying he hated me and it was all my fault um, that his life sucked. Like those were all really painful and I felt really alone with it. And I appreciated that like I had colleagues and friends who could say um, like he's able to do this because he feels safe with you and he knows that he's loved. Like it was good to have that reminder because in the moment I wanted to shut down for sure. For sure. And and again, we're human, right? So like, how could you not? It's the most painful thing in the world to see our children suffering. And then at that blame directed at us is, woo. Yeah, this conscious parenting is no joke. Like to be awake and parenting, (laughs) no joke. Oh my God, it's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. Um, but wow, I'm I'm so thrilled for you that like you got to have that full circle moment. Like, and that really speaks to your relationship and, and the conscious parenting you're doing, right? Because I right. I think the the model that I've had is like maybe when they're parents. I know. I was that's right? what I was like. I was like another 10 years, 15 years, right. like long game. Yeah. <laughs> but to think there's room for that kind of self-reflection and insight so much sooner than that, that's, that is mind yeah. and incredible. Yeah. Going to savor the moment. <laughs> yeah, savor right. the moment. <laughs> right. No idea when it will devolve back. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But really speaks to like, right, to your ability to hold space and to like all the stuff we talk about with like meditation and just being at a higher level of consciousness, right? It's just like that observation. Mm-hmm. There's no way, right? You could have done that without 
your practice, yeah. right? So Absolutely. Yeah. And even just, I remember like when the kids were young, I did this parenting as a spiritual practice, like course, which was really helpful in helping me like think about how we can, how I can show up like from a place of love, even when I'm tired, even when I'm stressed to capacity, even when what's being directed at me is um, overwhelming and thinking about like, how do we work through our family of origin stuff while also parenting, mm -hmm. right? Like that's like, what's that dual awareness of like recognizing I'm feeling triggered right now. And that's about my own stuff. That's right. right? And not really about this little person across from me and that they are developing their own unique personhood separate from me and I'm just a guide on the process and like some days are easier than others to like embody that totally and what I love that about what you just said that's like in between the lines is that there's so much shared power and shared humility ideally right mm -hmm. where it's like I'm not the expert telling you how to live your life or turning you into a good person, right? Um, that we, that I'm learning from you in the, all the time, like that's mm -hmm. best case scenario, what it can be. And that if we can think about parenting and really like all of the things that challenge us in that way of like, what can, what's the lesson mm -hmm. here? Where's this is showing right. me that I've got some work to do in this area. And I don't have to feel ashamed about that. I'm human. Like, mm -hmm. So let me just like get curious and dig in a little bit, but we just were wired to avoid pain, right? So like this mm -hmm. is, it's challenging work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then navigating, I think the cross-cultural lines, like recognizing like my dad and my aunts and my uncles, they have a different worldview about like the relationship be between parent and child, mm. right? And they have a different orientation around like discipline and control and shame as a mechanism to you know get people to become those good people um and like how do I how do I hold that even if it's not the choice that I'm choosing to make in mm -hmm. my parenthood but how do I not dehumanize that strategy and that work because there are many cultures that that operate in that way um and I don't want to be this person who's like, there's only one right way. Right. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. That's worth me really sitting with for a long time. Um, I've been, I'm th through everything that we're talking about. I'm just thinking about how, for me, this conversation is so much more meta than it would have been. I don't know, even maybe just two years ago, um, three years ago, uh, because when I think about the big, what are like the big things that, that move the needle in terms of my life, I think I would have come back to really specific events and like moments in time with people. And, and now it feels just a lot more nuanced and complicated and more like the 30,000 foot view than like the immersed in like my childhood cancer diagnosis, this event that happened at this, you know, um, and that's what I was hearing you say when you were walking through it. And that's what I hear you saying, even when talking about like parenting, it just, 
it's cool to kind of look back and think about themes and uh, more overarching challenges that I'm probably gonna sit with for the rest of my life, right? It's not this event that started and ended and now it's in the past and it's like, it's more of these overarching themes that I need to continue to just sit with um, rather than isolated but profound incidents. So it's not that those things don't matter anymore. It's just this other layer that's getting unpeeled, which I think is really interesting. Does that, that felt random. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it's interesting because when I was sharing the Odyssey, I was telling Chris about this is that, yeah, a younger version of me would have been caught up in like these particular like trauma points. Or like yeah. right and and like I was like what felt like when I was a grad student what felt like so poignant like were these moments of misattunement and these moments of like heartbreak and now it's like it feels so old like it yeah. feels like so like I can like I can remember it happened but it's not it's not the thing taking up a lot of space that's right and so like I don't know if that's just this enough healing has happened it's been integrated um and that certain themes keep recurring right like and so to me it's more about the themes and what am I doing now mm-hmm. so, and how do I want the latter part of my life to take shape absolutely um yeah we, and hearing and hearing you talk about it more from this place of themes was really and is continues to be like really helpful for me because you know what came up immediately was like oh okay so I've got to come up with like things in my life and I feel on the spot and all this urgency and da, 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 da. and then when I was I was like okay but let that go and be present because I want to hear about your experience and listening to you talk about it it's like, oh, it's a whole different set of things for me. So I could have just pressed play on that very, very old tape, mm-hmm. but it felt off and it felt reflexive. And yeah, so it is thinking more about parenting and like, what are the lessons that parenting is teaching me about, about martyrdom, um, about codependency, about self-care and how we can take deep, slow care of ourselves and other people that we love very much so. But like we can, but taking care, the one of the things, the biggest lessons that I think I'm so actively working on and have been is like, how do I invest in me when all of the messages from my ancestors, from society, from gender expectations, from whatever is all about do for others, do for others, do for others, and how that's a narrative that actually is just so false in so many ways. Um, And that I'm learning that when I do take really good care of myself, I am also taking really good care of the people around me And it's not a like, pour into yourself so you can pour into others. Like maybe that's there somewhat, but that it can even be simpler than that. Um, That just by taking care of myself, I am taking care of the people around me. Like end of the sentence. 
end right. of the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a theme I'll be playing with like for the rest of my life. But um, that's just, that's an interesting thing that's happening in my own life that I think is a big part of how I am hugely changing as a person. Cause it sounds simple, but it shows up in the tiniest and most major of ways and everything in between, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I keep thinking for myself, the, the tape or like the, the rewiring I keep doing over the last, probably last half of my life has been like, it's okay to take up space. It's okay to um, let people get to know you. Right. I even think about like times I've been a leader, like the the recurring themes are always the same. Like sometimes it's hard to read me or sometimes people want to know me better. And so mm -hmm. I've tried really hard in the last several years to like let people get to know me better. So even in this new like director job is like leading from uh, radical candor, leading from a place of vulnerability or like transformational leadership. Mm -hmm. Right, like to let, and I think part of that is disrupting white supremacy culture that says that that's not professional, or like we leave parts of ourselves when we go to work, and like how can it be integrated? Like how can all of that be part of me? Um, like yeah, I don't, I don't want to li live the compartmentalized life, which doesn't mean I don't have boundaries, but it's, it says like what I used to think were boundaries were a little too rigid. Mm -hmm. um, like people, like it walled me off, which made me like, I was probably one of those people who said like, I don't, I'm really self-reliant. I don't need, I don't need this attunement stuff. I don't even know if I knew the word attunement, you know, sure. back then. Um, I don't even think I knew it in grad school, but then like over time it was like, no, you've like built this armor that makes you think you don't need it, but you actually need it. And you actually would thrive more if you let it in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And interesting, again, because we have different, we're in relationship with vulnerability in different ways, right? And in, in sometimes mm -hmm. I think maybe um, opposite ways, although I don't like duality, right. um, <laughs> where I think my journey, because everything's about feeling loved and connected, right? I feel like that's mm -hmm. what- totally. If we, if we deconstruct things enough, that's always going to be mm -hmm. like a juicy center of something. Um, but I think the way that I've been showing up in my life, um, but I think most, there's been so much growth for me in terms of my business and my leadership style has been like, I'm vulnerable as a reflex. And, and I think one of the side benefits is that people then feel close to me, Right. What I didn't realize is that being vulnerable as a leader reflexively rather than intentionally started to morph into people pleasing. That I was like, if I just explain to you and like show you my heart, then, then you'll understand this business decision or this leadership decision that I just have to be more vulnerable <laughs> and then it'll be different. And then it'll be all kumbaya. And like, we're gonna like be like really aligned and like happy and da, da, da. 
And I really needed to step back and be more intentional about my vulnerability and lean into sturdy leadership that is not power over or like hoarding power, but just like the actual authority that I do have in my company um, and navigating that within the lens of, of being, you know, a practice and a person that believes in collective liberation and anti-racism has, has been exceptionally tricky work, right? Like, um, but I think that's been, that's been an interesting thing is I, people aren't entitled to my heart. Um, and my heart, showing my heart should not be a shortcut to connection, which is something that inherently takes time. And the only way it's healthy is if it's reciprocal. Mm -hmm. And, and so sturdy leadership, that's more, that's a little more boundaried has been my growth edge. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I would agree like that we are doing that dance of like, you're trying to shore it up a little bit more and be more like intentional about it. And I'm, I'm trying to like be more open about it and mm -hmm. to recognize like, yeah, that there is um, good things can come because for so long it was like, you're going to get hurt. Like people are going to use this against you. Yeah. Um, like it's not worth the risk. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that, that dance that so many of us do where we like operate in either we're like, we're trying to avoid that and run away from the possible rejection or hurt or like leaning in too much and, you know, and finding, finding what does it look like to be secure in me, which allows me to tolerate the discomfort of the unknown and like, how is this yeah. over and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And I've even seen just this year, like some more me I have felt closer to my father at times this year because he has also risked sharing more than mm -hmm. he would typically share and that has allowed me to then share more than I would typically share and so yeah it's this reciprocal mutual thing it really does like if one person dares to take a risk and the other person holds it and then also dares to take a risk like that's where true intimacy happens that's where trust builds right like if I'm the only person sharing and the other person isn't then then that's going to cause issues uh-huh yeah absolutely and what I one of the things I love so much about that process that you just described with your dad is it's the it's the lived experience of there is no such thing as one-way liberation right? Um, when you free yourself up, mm -hmm. you're like, you're a lighthouse for anybody who can see you giving right. them permission, you know, um, it's been a real awakening for me to do this. Um, I think it's, it's certainly showing up in my business, but I think one of the things that I is really shaping me again, going back to parenting is like, how can I be boundaried with my kids? And, and hold the multiple truth of like, you can be sad that I left early from your game, which means I didn't get to see your like your walk-off double that won the game. And like, and I'm, I can be sad about that too. And we can be sad 
that I wasn't there for that. And it was okay for me to leave um, because I I have to think about me too. And and Lincoln and Brooklyn, like, and I want you to have the model. Uh, This is the part that's unsaid that I hope just is, becomes in the water, right? About like, yeah. I want you to have this model of parenting or just living <laughs> where like people get to have feelings and reactions about the choices you make. And and they're allowed to have those feelings, but it doesn't mean that you did something wrong or that you yeah. should do something different the next time around. Um, we can just have needs that sometimes rub up against yeah. each other. We can have yeah. feelings about that. And I can sit with you in your sadness. And it doesn't mean I did anything wrong. It doesn't mean yeah. I have to feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think particularly when you're socialized into like a female body, you can sometimes like take on things in the relationship yeah. that need not. I remember even just talking to Daphne um, this weekend where Chris, Chris and Jacob went to go visit uh, Chris's family. And uh, Daphne opted not to go. And, and, uh, and so like afterwards she was talking to me and she's like, I think, I think dad and Jacob are mad at me. And I was like, you think, or you think might, might they just be disappointed that you didn't go? And uh, do you know the difference between the disappointment mm-hmm. and the anger? Right. And she was like, yeah, I was like, you know, if you're going to decide you're not going to go and this is your boundary get to have feelings about it right that doesn't mean like you did anything wrong right and like I just like those moments of like touch points of like clarity around you can have the feelings but you don't have to own that like you're 13 and I don't want you to grow up to be uh, you know this gendered person who thinks like if I set boundaries yeah. that in some ways there's something wrong with that that's right so that I, I'm not allowed to have needs, wants, desires, et cetera, certainly not allowed to communicate that because that makes me bad or selfish or whatever the narrative is around that. Um, yeah, I love that you were able to help her think about that. Um, yeah, because yeah. it is, it's tough. God, if I'm I'm about to be 43, I'm still struggling with this shit at 43. I just cannot mm. fathom navigating this in a helpful way as a teen so Mm -hmm. yeah lucky to have you yeah yeah lucky to have you too wow 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 oh well that seems like a good time to wrap up huh I think so yeah so good chatting with you so good chatting with you as well and I I meant to talk to you about this prior but this is here we are live um I was thinking we should be reminding viewers that like that we're on all platforms uh, at this point. And, you know, if you, the viewer are, if you're listening and you're enjoying it, um, we would love for you to subscribe. We would love for you to comment. We would love for you to rate and review it. Um, Natalie and I are in a place where we don't want to hustle. I'm not promoting this, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm like, oh, if I remember to post like, Hey, there's a new episode out there. That's right. It's going to be this thing where it's like it goes up once and that's the end of it. So for anyone who is listening, um, if you want to if you want to share in that uh, with us, uh, we'd really we'd really appreciate it. Does that and we we try to release an episode like twice a month, usually at the beginning of the week. Yeah. And we're we're just going with like what's the rhythm of our lives. So it's really wonderful to 
to be in relationship with you and to not have it be uh, super regimented. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, so I hope it's okay that I like put in that like little plug. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. I'm like, if we could build that in, then I can like yeah. you know, let, go, let go a little bit more about like. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks right. for listening to Rest and Awaken. Yeah. Thanks so much. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.